Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. It is March the 30th, and on this day in 1870, following its ratification by a requisite three-fourths of the states, the 15th Amendment granting African-American men the right to vote was formally adopted in the United States Constitution. Passed by Congress the year before, the amendment reads, The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. One day after it was adopted, Thomas Peterson Mundy of Perth Amboy, New Jersey, became the first African-American to vote under the authority of the 15th Amendment. In 1867, the Republican-dominated Congress passed the first Reconstruction Act over President Andrew Johnson's veto, dividing the South into five military districts and outlining how new governments based on universal manhood suffrage would be established with the adoption of the 15th Amendment in 1870, a politically mobilized African-American community joined with white allies in the southern states to elect the Republican Party to power, which brought about radical change across the South. By the late 1870, all of the former Confederate states had been readmitted to the Union, and most were controlled by the Republican Party thanks to the support of African-American voters. In the same year, Hiram Rhodes Revels, a Republican from Natchez, Mississippi, became the first African-American ever to sit in Congress. Although African-American Republicans never obtained political office in proportion to their overwhelming electoral majority, Revels and dozens of uh, African-American men served in Congress during Reconstruction. More than 600 served in state legislatures, and many more held local offices. However, in the late 1870s, the Southern Republican Party vanished with the end of the Reconstruction, and Southern state governments effectively nullified the 14th and 15th Amendments, stripping Southern African-Americans of the right to vote. It'd be nearly a century before the nation would again attempt to establish equal rights for African Americans in the South. Part of our history. Did you know that was the country was divided into five military districts in the South? Interesting. In yet another random act of federalism from the uh, Sunshine State, Governor Ron DeSantis announced Tuesday that Florida and 20 other states are suing the Biden administration over the federal mask mandate on public transportation. If politicians and celebrities could attend the Super Bowl unmasked, every U.S. citizen should have the right to fly unmasked, DeSantis said in a statement. It's well past time to get rid of the unnecessary mandate and get back to normal life. He added that more people would be f- willing to fly if a state weren't required to mask up in order to get there. It's not something, you know what, I'm among those, won't fly until those mask mandates go away. It's not something grounded in any science, he said. If you have somebody sitting in the window seat and they're nibbling on peanuts for two and a half hours, they have the mask down. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, who is leading the legal effort, also blasted the mandate. This order is completely outside the bounds of the scope of federal power, she said. President Biden's short-sighted 
Heavy-handed and unlawful travel policies are frustrating travelers and causing chaos on public transportation, she said. She's absolutely right. Thank you, Governor, for taking a stand. And that's not all. On Tuesday's broadcast of Tucker Carlson Tonight, Ron DeSantis uh, reacted to Disney's criticism of Florida's HB 1557, the Parental Rights in Education Bill, which DeSantis signed into law on Monday by arguing that the company only broke its earlier silence and came out against the legislation because the woke mob came after them and that the company isn't going to succeed in running the state of Florida and imposing California values to overturn the law that is supported by a strong majority of people in Florida. DeSantis said, well, this bill is about providing protection so that we know that we can send their young kids to school without them being sexualized, without a school telling a young girl, for example, that she may really be a boy. And if schools are trying to do these things and impact the health and well-being of kids and they're undertaking certain services, the parents have a right to know that and to provide consent for it. So this is a real bill that empowers parents and protects our kids. And for a company like Disney to say that the bill should have never been passed, first of all, Tucker, they weren't saying anything when uh, they were going through the house. They only started doing this because the mob, the woke mob, came after them. But put that aside for uh, them to say them that them as California-based company are going to work to take the California values and overturn a law that was duly enacted, supported by a strong majority of Floridians. They don't run the state, and they will never run the state as long as I'm governor. Boy, Disney, I think, is making a big error on this on this uh, front. I don't know why they're doing this. It's certainly going to make uh, families unsettled uh, about Disney and the Disney Corporation in Orlando. Maybe they should pull up stakes and move someplace else. Well, when asked uh, during a press conference on Monday about his reaction to the nomination of hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson in the Senate last week, President Joe Biden said he hadn't seen any of the proceedings. On Tuesday, March 22nd, the House Deputy Press Secretary Chris Mager said that Biden had watched portions of the just, justice, uh, Judge Jackson's hearings and uh, was proud of the way she showcasing her extraordinary qualifications. Now, did Biden watch some of the hearings or not? I mean, uh, Mager went into great detail about how the president responded to what he saw on watching the uh, hearings on TV. If he did watch them, why did he tell reporters on Monday that he hadn't? If he didn't watch them, who made the statement on his behalf saying that he didn't, expressing his views on the proceedings? Good question. I think uh, Occam's razor, you know, the most likely explanation is probably true, is the president, again, is lying to us. He doesn't tell the truth. He's just used to lying, unfortunately. A sad uh, foible on his part. Well, a U.S. official tell, said that any movement of Russian forces around Kiev is a redeployment, not a withdrawal, and the world should be prepared for a major offensive against other areas of Ukraine. The remark comes after Russia claimed it was withdrawing forces there in hopes of laying the groundwork for a peace deal in Ukraine. The White House said Tuesday that President Joe Biden will convene a call with President Macron of France, Chancellor Schulz of Germany, Prime Minister Draghi of uh, Italy and Prime Minister Johnson of the United Kingdom to discuss the latest developments regarding Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine's military said Tuesday that the Russian forces have destroyed at least 60 religious buildings since their invasion began last month. 
Well, uh, the dis- peace discussions are ongoing. I hope they uh, get things resolved here because uh, no sense in Ukrainians dying the way they're dying, unfortunately. And uh, hopefully they'll find some way for Putin to save face and withdraw his troops from uh, the Ukraine. Well, the population of illegal immigrants in the United States has jumped by 1.1 million in President Joe Biden's first year, says a report released Tuesday by the Center for Immigration Studies. The number of illegal immigrants grew dramatically this past year as the result of Biden administration's policy, which released most of the people encountered at the border and stopped most interior enforcement. That, according to Stephen Camarota, the center's director of research and report, has said, Absent a change in policy, it seems certain that illegal immigration uh, population will continue to grow rapidly, he said. The center describes its work in part. The estimated size and growth of the illegal immigrant population are important because, unlike border apprehension figures, the number of illegal immigrants living in the country is what ultimately determines their impact. The current population survey also shows that the total foreign-born population, legal and illegal together, reached 46.7 million in February 2022, a new record high and an increase of 1.7 million since January 2021. How about that? Illegal immigrants account for more than 1 million, or about two-thirds of the increase in the foreign-born since January 2021. And to place a 1.7 million growth in the foreign-born population, illegal and legal, in the last 13 months in perspective, in the 48 months of Trump's presidency, uh, uh, that would be January 17 to 20, December 20, the total foreign-born population increased 1.5 million. Only one year under Biden, it's increased more than that. How unfortunate. Well, uh, Pres- uh, Senator Chuck Grassley on Tuesday gave his uh, second speech on Hunter Biden's financial dealings with the Communist Party. This is pretty alarming. On Monday, Grassley uh, revealed that the Chinese Communist Party gave Hunter Biden $100,000. Senators Grassley and Johnson continued their work on exposing the Biden crime family on Tuesday, and they brought the receipts again. Grassley and uh, Johnson produced records showing Hunter Biden and James Biden, that's uh, Joe's brother, received hundreds of thousands of dollars from companies linked to the communist Chinese government. Notably, Hunter Biden's firm, Owasco took money from uh, CEFC, an energy company that is effectively an arm of the Chinese Communist Party. Hunter Biden worked with uh, two men uh, who are linked to the Chinese Communist Party. On August the 8th, 2017, $5 million was wired to a CEFC-affiliated investment vehicle, Northern International, to a bank account for Hudson West III, which spent the next year transferring $4 million $790,375 million directly to the Hunter Biden's firm, Owasco. Grassley produced records on Tuesday showing Hunter Biden was paid $100,000 a month and James Biden was paid $65,000 a month, and Hunter would be paid a one-time retainer of $500,000. Well, uh, since 2018, these two men were... Uh, according to Rudy Giuliani, are swimming with the fishes. And I'm talking about the uh, Chinese, communist Chinese affiliates who arranged this deal with Hunter Biden. So uh, in spite of uh, inflation and everything that's happening right now, Joe Biden wants to increase taxes. 
When he asked uh, why he robbed banks, Willie Sutton said to have replied, because that's where the money is. That's usually the answer when it comes to proposals to increase taxes or impose a new tax law. If you look beyond the rhetoric and political posturing, very often the real rationale is simply that politicians have spotted some money that they think would be better utilized in their hands and the hands of those who earned it. The phrase, robbing Peter to pay Paul, is often used to describe redistributive tax schemes, but we have to think that it would be more fitting if it was Saul getting paid since St. Paul gave up his tax collecting after conversion. So interesting. So President Joe Biden is no exception. His latest budget proposals includes a new minimum 20% tax on households with $100 million net worth. He wants to tax unrealized gains. This is just a complete debacle and uh, completely tone deaf considering what we're going through right now. And of course, uh, my view, the rich are far better off managing that money and creating wealth than having the government take it, extract it, and uh, use it for the waste that we see in our government. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. 
or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is the chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in D.C. and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government, cato.org on the web. Thank you, Bob. So for the past few weeks, we've been talking about the Supreme Court and raised the question whether it subverted the Constitution under the modern Supreme Court. And uh, we've discussed a number of topics, but it's moving to campaign finance reform. Um, and Zuckerberg, of course, <laughs> he gave $400 million to try to influence the outcome of the campaign. Isn't there a problem with big corporations exercising improper influence on the political process? Um, yes, there may be a problem. Um, the, the, uh, there are no limits on how much uh, George Soros or Bloomberg or Bill Gates can spend of their own money on political advertising. So the question is, why shouldn't you and I uh, be able to match them by, we can't do it on our own, but by joining forces uh, mm-hmm. through an entity such as a corporation uh, that expresses the policy preferences that you and I uh, favor. And if, if there are other shareholders in the corporation that don't agree with that decision, they have an obvious remedy. They can sell their stock. Um, but, you know, that's not what... The law says government uh, has really rarely been able to prove actual corruption from corporate contributions. Uh, and when there is proof, there are plenty of laws, criminal laws, on the books. But instead, to justify these campaign regulations that we have, government now insists that we prevent not corruption, but the appearance of corruption. And I, I would argue that mere suspicions are no basis for ignoring uh, the First Amendment. I mean, half of our states have minimal campaign finance laws, and those states, there's no evidence that they're any more corrupt. Uh, Typically, it's not money that affects a candidate's position. It goes the other way. It's the candidate's position that attracts the money Mm. from sympathetic uh, voters. And the real reason for these restrictions that the government imposes is not to prevent corruption. It's to protect these incumbents who want to make sure that they stay in office. And when you restrict the ability of challengers uh, to uh, to uh, campaign, then you effectively are protecting incumbent office holders. You know, that makes sense, Bob. I just uh, watched uh, Tucker Carlson today and the interview that he conducted with Michael Cableman, who's a former Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin, and uh, it was appointed special counsel to look into election irregularities in Wisconsin. And it's a shocking interview. But he points out that Zuckerberg uh, contributed 
millions of dollars to the campaign and really resulted in uh, Zuckerberg affiliates being appointed to run the campaign. I mean, the the, the uh, accusations and what he uncovered is just, aren't there limits to what uh, that money can be used for? Well, under current law, unlimited private independent expenditures on behalf of candidates or parties are permissible. Huh. What's not permissible are direct contributions to the candidates or to the parties uh, by, uh, by corporations and labor unions. They are capped. My uh, argument would be that they should not be capped. I know that there's a potential there for uh, corruption, but again, there are plenty of laws on the books if we uncover uh, that sort of uh, corruption. But th- I think that private expenditures uh, should be permitted on, under the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a different story when Zuckerberg contributes money to a state entity to run an election. If that state entity then uses the money in a discriminatory fashion, then the state entity ought to be subject to prosecution. But I doubt that uh, Zuckerberg could be prosecuted unless it's shown that he personally or somebody else with his corporation had direct control over what policies the government itself Hmm. had implemented. That makes so so much sense. So in other words, it's uh, the state has acquiesced, allowed him to take control, and it's really the state officials who, who potentially committed the crimes. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So Bob, yes. Now, if he's operating as a quasi-state entity, then of course, uh, I would agree that that ought to be subject to prosecution. Interesting. So, uh, what should we do about huge campaign expenditures, if anything? Well, I think the proper answer is uh, for large expenditures for speech is more speech. Uh, Or, you know, ultimately, if we decide that that doesn't work, then we need a constitutional amendment. Mm -hmm. Uh, The money is just a symptom of the problem. (laughs) The problem, uh, and we've talked about this uh, at length uh, on your show, overweening government has, you know, has wormed its way into just about every aspect of our lives. So we have this regulatory and redistributive state, and it creates huge incentives for this sort of profiteering and and corruption. So if there's a big money problem, it's because there's a big government problem. If we cut government down to size, we could minimize uh, the influence of big money. money. So I, I would say we should restore the framers' notion of enumerated, delegated, limited federal powers, get government out of our lives, get government out of our wallets, and that's the best way to end any campaign finance uh, racketeering and root out corruption uh, without jeopardizing our First Amendment right to political speech. You know what, Bob, that makes so much sense. In other words, attacking the symptoms, which is what we usually do after things have started to occur, doesn't make any sense. Are you saying that we shouldn't be concerned if someone like Sheldon Adelson spends millions to influence an election? You know, the New York Times accused him of spending his money, and this was a quote from the article, to advance his personal ideological and financial agenda, which is wildly at odds with the nation's needs. Of course, you know, 
Adelson, just like George Soros, who, by the way, has never been criticized uh, by the New York Times. Adelson has a constitutional right uh, to uh, spend as much much as the money as he wanted to and and to persuade Americans that his agenda is preferable to the agenda of the New York Times. Uh, The New York Times seems to believe that freedom of, of the press is only for those people who own a press. Um, Adelson's overriding interest was, according to the Times, his own wallet. So what he really fears, again, according to the Times, is a proposal to raise taxes on his companies. Well, you think about that. A man, he was in his 80s, he was worth billions of dollars. And the notion that he would fear a minor tax increase yeah. is preposterous. Uh, meanwhile, he donates huge amounts of medical research and education and other charities. So it doesn't suggest that his overriding interest was his own wallet. Uh, the Times wanted Adelson to shut up. Why? So that liberal newspapers like the Times could dominate the political debate yeah, no and qu- tell Adelson and you and me how to spend their money. And, of course, by the money that uh, Sheldon Adelson is spending is probably a far better use than the money that if, it was, if he gave it to the government allowed them to make decisions for things you like bet. climate change you and bet. so forth. So that's just really interesting, Bob. Again, Bob Levy, chairman of the uh, Cato Institute. The website is cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Andrew Joppa. He's a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 
Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Thank you, Andy. I always look forward to your commentary, and usually you want to start off with a little bit of good news. <laughs> well, it becomes more difficult to find every every Wednesday, Bob, but uh, nevertheless, there is always some uh, some point of light. In this case, uh, the, uh, uh, Alvin Bragg in New York uh, has uh, suspended the investigation against uh, Donald Trump, uh, dropped, uh, not dropped charges, but he has at least suspended the investigation because of lack of evidence. Now, unfortunately, that story, although it's good news for President Trump and it's, uh, it's, it's one of the rare moments of good news about President Trump, uh, essentially the, the story that's getting the headline is the pushback that Bragg is getting for having done that. Mm -hmm. So instead of them documenting the reasons why Bragg did it, they are in fact bringing up only the challenges being made to Bragg for having done it uh, himself. So uh, it's a, a typical uh, circumstance. The good news is uh, it's not going to be left to stand by the left, Bob. No, it's not. And again, that's the mainstream media. And that, by the way, how much have they seen? Have they covered of the Hunter Biden debacle right now? The uh, Wall Street Journal, or, sorry, the New York Times finally admitted that, hey, the laptop is real. It's not Russia, Russian disinformation. But uh, none of the major networks are caring and or talking about it. Well, I mean, the the uh, the point that had to be reached for that admission to be made uh, in general and the in the media must have it was enormous, obviously, from the very beginning, the the type of information that was contained on that laptop would have been impossible uh, for Russia to have produced and to uh, somehow uh, made it a Russian stand. So uh, obviously, from the very beginning, this was real. And uh, right now, the enormity of the, uh, the documentation as to the reality of this. Uh, and by the way, from everything I've heard and many of the things I've seen, the information on this laptop is absolutely uh, uh, vulgar. It's outrageous and in many cases criminal, Bob. Yep, absolutely. So uh, right now we're going through the process of uh, Kajani Brown Jackson uh, for the uh, uh, review, uh, advising consent from the Senate of her as a candidate for the associate of uh, associate of the Supreme Court or justice of the Supreme Court. Any thoughts? Well, I personally, and I think I mentioned this last week, uh, she seems like a pleasant enough woman, but certainly that's not a particular qualification for the Supreme Court. Uh, on the other hand, most most Americans don't realize that there are absolutely no qualifications required for a Supreme Court nominee or appointee. None. Right. Not age, not natural born citizenship, not having been a lawyer or a judge. Anyone that, that probably makes available a position of a Supreme Court nominee open to 332 million Americans, Bob. Mm. So that that's one thing that has to be understood. I mean, with every other major position in the federal government having a, a long list of, of qualifications or at least a meaningful list of qualifications, this particular lifetime appointee, there is no qualification that is absolutely required. Uh, if we look at Katanji Brown Jackson, um, she seems to be moving towards confirmation, not based on the presence of positives, but the absence of negatives. So getting back to the point that anyone can be a Supreme Court judge, one, we would have to, in fact, uh, uh, struggle to put anyone on the court because we can't find any reason not to. 
as compared to we find an abundance of reasons to do exactly that uh, seems seems relatively outrageous, Bob. You know, the the uh, mainstream media, again, has suppressed, I think, the news about the what's happened with, the, first of all, the hearings, but second of all, about her right now. That's just kind of sitting out in limbo uh, while they're paying attention to what's happening in Ukraine and other news. I wonder what, what what's going on with that. I, I don't know. I was thinking the same thing uh, yesterday, and I, I don't know if this is progressing and if it's progressing in what direction. I, I think that she will be confirmed. Yep. Um, I, at this point, not this is not a personal comment about her, but just as a general comment, I see no reason that she should be confirmed. Her unwillingness to answer questions directly, her unwillingness to, uh, to in fact, uh, disclose anything that would uh, create an understanding of her judicial philosophy is outrageous. And she, she willfully avoids any questions of those types. So it seems to me that avoidance seems to be documenting that there is a uh, a very strong living constitutionalist uh, that is inside Katanji Brown Jackson, Bob. Right. Well, and of course, the uh, how, how are the their attention? Our attention is being diverted by calls for Clarence Thomas to be impeached as a Supreme Court justice. Uh, latest coming from AOC, the bartender. What are your thoughts? Well, Clarence Thomas, of course, he's he's being uh, asked to recuse himself from. Uh, January 6th uh, investigations or rulings uh, and other rulings that uh, would pertain to that uh, general circumstance. Uh, This is a general process of of attacking Clarence Thomas. They have done that since his first moment on the court, and it continues. Uh, He's being asked to recuse himself, not because of any uh, association that he directly had, but because of political activities of his wife. Uh, that were certainly within her right as a as a citizen, and there's no reason that he should recuse him. As a matter of fact, the, the general issue issue of recusal is absurd. Uh, why didn't, uh, for example, uh, sort of Mayer or Kagan uh, recuse themselves when they are discussing or voting on uh, women's issues? They're women. Right. So, I mean, isn't that a biased <laughs> position automatically? So uh, every human being is subject to a, a whole uh, a, a field of, of uh, prods and, and, and pressures. Uh, and to suggest that a justice like, like Clarence Thomas, who has documented his objectivity over the decades of his Supreme Court uh, positioning, uh, is, is absolutely absurd. Let, let me make one point in, in passing about this. Uh, one of the suggestions is that uh, Clarence Thomas has been attacked uh, more so because he is married to a white woman. Now, most people wouldn't give that any weight. Uh, I didn't give it any weight per se, but I do have a background story where I was, in fact, uh, promoting the candidacy for the Peekskill School Board in New York, an African-American. I was doing that entirely on my own. I recruited him. I promoted him. And eventually he won. Hmm. The only pushback I got from that process, Bob, was from the NAACP. And uh, the vice president of the NACP was a friend of mine. I said, why is this pushback happening? And he said, let me tell you, Andy, it's because he's married to a white woman. So this is a particularly, apparently a particularly significant factor in terms of how uh, uh, African-American men in the political or legal environment are evaluated by the African-American community. Bob. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, Clarence Thomas is just an outstanding justice and uh, I think he stands for the Constitution, clearly above and beyond almost any other justice on the Supreme Court right now. So we're very grateful for his service. It's just unbelievable. Uh, hey, so uh, let's let's move on to what's happening in Ukraine. And uh, Joe Biden just finished his trip internationally, went over to 
uh, Poland, had a visit, and my goodness, just stuck his foot in it so many times. Uh, I had one liberal friend that said, well, this was all on purpose. <laughs> I don't think so. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, I think Leon Panetta apparently put his, his, his finger on it. He said, well, uh, these gaffes are all because uh, President Biden is Irish. <laughs> this, this ties right into President Biden's prior comment, perhaps a week ago, uh, where, where he said, uh, I'm, I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. I mean, I'm, the amazing derogatory implications for being Irish is, right. uh, is amazing. And Panetta's point was that because he's Irish, he has compassion and feels things profoundly in his heart. And sometimes these things escape into words. So uh, but this is not uh, this is not uh, a man who uh, can be trusted in the international environment, these words are weighed by uh, by the international environment, particularly at this point by Putin. Uh, and they're not given the, the allowance for being mistakes or gaffes. They are seen as having significance. And although I, I don't think they were done on purpose, for example, when President Biden said that uh, with a chemical uh, attack by uh, Russia, he would we would uh, respond in kind. I don't think President Biden understood what the phrase in kind meant. Right. I think he meant that we would respond seriously or meaningfully. Uh, what in kind means that we would in fact use chemical weapons ourselves. So this is the way it's being weighed uh, by, uh, by Putin. And by the way, as a national leader, he has to weigh it that way. He can't give the allowance that it's a gaffe or a mistake. He has to presume that there's a seriousness of intent uh, with these discussions, Bob. Yeah, and uh, you know it's they're walking, they're having to walk back what he says. They're trying to trying to rephrase it. I mean, I think he's demonstrating he's incompetent in the role, and uh, he he tells lies. He just is. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I mean, he, I'm embarrassed. He overtly lied again about President Trump when he was over, I guess, in Poland. I'm not sure if that's true at this point, but I think it was in, when he was in Poland. When he built his whole case, President Biden's case, why he ran for the presidency around President Trump's remarks at Charlottesville. And again, uh, Biden implied that uh, what President Trump said is that some of the neo-Nazis were, were, were good people. And certainly that has been documented as being absolutely false uh, a thousand times over. And yet President Biden goes over to Europe talking to uh, our, our world, uh, the world leaders and lies overtly. And he knows he's lying, Bob, yep. lies overtly about the, uh, the great President Donald Trump. Uh, and what a shame. So uh, everybody's walking things back. What, and just taking a look at what's happening at Ukraine right now, it looks like uh, the uh, peace discussions are getting pretty serious right now. Uh, the uh, Russian army apparently is going to give up on uh, Kiev and redeploy for, for uh, other opportunities. What are, your, what are your thoughts of what's happening right now? Well, I think there are opportunities. I know that uh, Zelensky's expressed a willingness to get involved with the negotiations with uh, with Russia in terms of the eastern provinces, in terms of the uh, creating and allowing the, the land bridge to exist into Crimea, uh, and to, in fact, I don't know if he'll allow constitutional uh, commitments to being neutral, but certainly other commitments of a sort to being neutral. Now, my, my problem is, is the world going to allow that to happen? Every time I see one step forward in Ukraine, uh, I see the world trying to create three steps backwards. And that, in, in many cases, includes Zelensky. So my, my concern is that we're going to start to see uh, perhaps the possibility 
flag operations. And that concerns me. Black flag or is it more commonly known false flags. Uh, certainly the United States uh, has a history of, uh, of, of suggesting or using these black flags. For example, back during the JFK administration, they, uh, they were planning to uh, address people as Cubans and launch terrorist attacks in Miami as a way of uh, insur not ensuring, but uh, uh, creating the possibility of war with Cuba. Uh, we also saw that in, with Assad in the Dumas of Syria, where he was accused of launching that, that gas attack. This was a, a gas attack that Assad theoretically launched at a point in time when the war was over and Assad was winning this war and there was absolutely no reason to do it. It seemed to be, and most of the world at this point has pretty much accepted that the uh, Assad gas tax and Dumas were, in fact, a black flag event. Uh, if we're talking about what that might mean in Ukraine, the other day, Senator Rubio and uh, Victoria Newland uh, were talking about the existence of chemical and biological weapons in Ukraine. Uh, and I think it was Rubio that asked Newland, uh, if there is a chemical attack in, in Ukraine, do you have any doubt? that it would have been launched by Russia. And she said unequivocally, uh, they're 100% guarantee that it would be launched by Russia. So we have to look out for these black flag moments that might try to uh, either extend the war or deepen it or move it into a larger conflict, Bob. So I'm concerned about the black flag potentials. And I think uh, we have to weigh all the information co uh, coming out in that potential. I'd also like to point out uh, the uh, the concept that seems to be in place right now, which is called uh, the war guilt clause. And in, uh, in the Treaty of Versailles to end the First World War, there was a, a clause put in, Article 231, that entire intent was to destroy for decades into the future, as they described it, the economy of Germany. So they never again could launch a war uh, against, against Europe. Uh, it was, in fact, that type of draconian measures against Germany that led to and created the Second World War. Right. Now, I'm not suggesting that exact chain of events will exist in, uh, in, uh, in Russia, but I think we have to understand there is a strong nationalism among the Russian people. I think the leadership is extremely nationalistic. And again, all of these uh, sanctions and pushbacks and, and rhetoric against Putin and against Russia uh, may, in fact, do just the opposite of what is being hoped for. It may create a more dangerous and more vitriolic Russia as time goes on, Bob. What are your thoughts? I, I think that uh, Biden himself would like to see this uh, situation continue because it distracts from the uh, awful situation we have here in the United States with regard to inflation, with uh, supply chain issues, and you can go on and on and on. I think that he's, he's seeing this as an opportunity to build his reputation based on how he handles the war, although people are not reacting very positively. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's, that certainly uh, must be considered, uh, if, if not accepted as truth, Bob. Uh, as we approach, and we are uh, approaching at this point, the 2022 uh, midterms, uh, certainly they're looking for a, uh, a platform to run on. And I, I can see that emerging, Bob. What you're suggesting is a uh, the pro-war uh, pro candidate, uh, uh, Joe Biden, against uh, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Uh, I hope those are the only two choices that the Republicans might make, uh, choose from. Uh, so again, I think there's a, a strong chance that what we're seeing is exactly that. Uh, I keep hearing that uh, we have to help the Ukrainian people. I, 
I, I, I can scarcely understand where anything we've done has helped the Ukrainian people. It has put weapons into the hands of uh, the, the, the Ukraine military, the Ukraine militia, including the, the neo-Nazi militia. Uh, and again, what I see is the Ukraine people being uh, damaged, being killed, uh, being displaced and turned into war refugees. No, I, I don't see us helping the Ukraine people. What I see is us helping, at best, the Ukraine government. Uh, so I, w- I think we have to understand that this war, as it gets prolonged, is damaging uh, at this at this exact moment uh, only one people, and that is the, the Ukrainian people, Bob. And right. I think that has to be considered, and I think we have to somehow work towards ending this war as compared to prolonging it, which I hear uh, or I feel more and more is happening. Right, I would agree with that. Andy, can you stick around? We're going to have a word from our sponsors. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. 
Always good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Andy. So uh, any concluding thoughts uh, about uh, what's happening in Ukraine before we move on? Just just, just one that just uh, occurred to me uh, last, last evening. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've been getting an email from different sources uh, documenting the incredible level of resources that are available in Ukraine, whether we're talking about the amount of coal, the amount of mag- ma- manganese, the amount of titanium, and, uh, and up and down a list, a long list, perhaps uh, 15, 20, even 30 uh, of these resource concepts. And it is suggested this is why Putin wants to gobble up, uh, as the email says, Ukraine. Now, I, I never believed that he wanted to gobble up the entirety of Ukraine, nor did I think that that was possible, nor did I think he thought that was possible. But as I was looking at these resources, and they are, and I validated these for my own satisfaction, these are accurate numbers, Bob. The thought occurred to me, if Ukraine has this incredible level of resource, both natural, agricultural, mineral, and so forth. Why is Ukraine the poorest country in Europe? And why is the per capita income of Ukrainians the lowest of any country in Europe? Uh, To me, that is an important question that should be asked as we consider the, uh, the implications of corruption, and the strength of the oligarchs in Ukraine. This, these resources are being harvested, but I think we can judge by the, uh, by the, uh, the, the freedom, uh, the economic freedom circumstance uh, that Ukraine is in the lower ranks of, of economic freedom. There are the people in terms of poverty are, are at the lowest level in Europe. And where is that money going, Bob? I think it has to be going into the pockets of the corrupt, especially the Ukrainian oligarchs, Bob. Yeah, and uh, and who knows about Hunter and Joe Biden themselves as well. So uh, there's a, I've heard uh, certainly rumors about money laundering through Ukraine and that uh, those rumors have been rampant. I just wonder if uh, Zelensky is the solution or part of the problem. I Look, I, I think you know, there's several things we can say about Zelensky. He's showing incredible courage, but courage is not a, a, a moral attribute. Um, I think Zelensky is fighting for his own position in that government. I think he's fighting uh, for his own power, and I don't want to use that term in a totally derogatory sense, but I see nothing that is helping, the. as I said before, I see nothing that's helping the Ukraine people. Their infrastructure is being destroyed. Millions of them are are, are, are going into other countries as refugees. Mm-hmm. The country, in terms of returning to any sense of normalcy, is probably going to take a, a decade or more. Uh, so in terms of Zelensky, um, I, I have mixed feelings, uh, but I think that he has not shown the appropriate amount. Certainly he didn't show that before the Russian invasion. Uh, he could have, in fact, announced strong statements of neutrality that might have deterred the, the entire event. I, I can't certainly document that. Uh, but I think that he made no overtures to Russia uh, to, in fact, give them the surety uh, that, that Ukraine would remain neutral uh, as the buffer state between the West and, and Russia. So um, I, I have suspicions about, about Zelensky being part uh, of that corrupt package that I regarded uh, mentioned before. He certainly is under the strong influence of the oligarchs. And no doubt about that. That's been well documented. So um, he must always be seen with some suspicion by any rational thinker in the West. Bob. Well, I, I agree with that. And of course, I, I think about how we rushed into Iraq uh, based on false premises. And uh, right thing, when you start seeing things about uh, everything in black and white and sloganeering and uh, let's support you, Ukraine, you know, when things get so simplistic, it just makes me wonder if we're perhaps we're just uh, overlooking some of the complexity of the situation and uh, uh, therefore perhaps 
leading us down the gold uh, to a path that uh, we don't want to go down. Well, I think that's that certainly can be documented. I I, I hear and uh, see too much of that. Again, the uh, the uh, the intent to extend this, and again, as I said before, to even deepen it into a into a larger conflict. Uh, I am concerned about the implications of how Ukraine will be will be leveraged. Uh, into uh, further attacks on Russia and, in fact, political positions for the uh, for the political process in uh, in the United States. Bob. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, changing gears a little bit, uh, we now have Governor DeSantis signing a bill into law that would protect uh, parental rights for kids up to the kindergarten through third grade. And it's been called the gay rights bill. It's been attacked by Disney. Uh, this is a it's just totally absurd how the left is reacting to what's happening to a, a bill that's really protecting kids. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, protecting kids, certainly, and, and uh, widely uh, approved by the uh, by the citizens of Florida. Uh, the Disney Corporation is calling for its repeal at the Academy Awards ceremonies the other night. They started out uh, the, the three. Uh, women hosts uh, by just saying the word gay, 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 gay over. Uh, let me just say, for the sake of your audience, uh, just to ensure my positioning is is, is seen as uh, objective. My my brother, who passed of AIDS, uh, a brother we loved, and uh, he was he was gay, and uh, there was never any problem in my family, and never any uh, any hint of a, re- a pushback against my brother. When we told my father, a blue collar uh, war hero. Uh, we we were sort of concerned how he react. He he said, "Pass the potatoes." That's all he said. But so, <laughs> this, 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 this issue in my family is, has a long history, and it's 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 a good history in my family. Uh, but there's no reason why anyone through the third grade uh, should be instructed or prompted into discussions of their sexuality uh, by a teacher. This teacher is not a, a psych- psychologically trained. Uh, in, in child psychology, in terms of dealing with sexuality issues, uh, it is not, I, I heard many of them being interviewed and they said, how can I establish my rapport with my students unless I talk about my home life and my sexuality? Well, I'll tell you, Bob, uh, I made it through and you made it through schools with that not happening. I didn't have, hear a word about that. Yeah, and it was only biologic right. until I got to high school. So when we think about these teachers that are part of this process, uh, that are, in fact, trying to uh, indoctrinate these children. And the reason the left is upset with this uh, this parental rights bill is because it carries the child at least through the age of seven. Now, we all know from m- many other comments, the Jesuits and Machiavelli and many others, if you have a child to the age of seven, you have them for a lifetime. So by sculpting out uh, through the third grade, uh, the child is not being indoctrinated. Uh, and again, they will lose that major platform uh, for indoctrinating the adult if they lose it in the child, Bob. Uh, so well said, Andy. And by the way, uh, when we take a look at the, uh, I'm so grateful to see the improvement that we see in public education under DeSantis and Scott. Uh, they've done just a great do- job in terms of uh, enhancing school choice and go go down the list, uh, getting rid of Common Core and so forth. Uh, but right now, our reading level and our performance levels in these various testing, it's just not, it's not adequate. So uh, why are we talking about our home life and some of these things when, or in fact, kids are not getting a good classical education? 
I, I have no idea. The whole school system is diverted. I mean, even in, in courses in calculus, they, 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 they hardly get to the subject until like the fifth or sixth week of the term because they, they're, they're talking about, about gender issues for the most part, Bob. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to imagine the, the significance of this other than to, in fact, once again, try to damage uh, the American culture. Uh, to try to suggest that a child through third grade uh, should be given indoctrinated uh, in- input uh, from a teacher of, of little of little awareness of the, the scope of these issues or what the parents want in these issues uh, is an outrage. And again, I think the citizens of Florida, to the large extent, have supported that. Uh, but when you look at the left, as you pointed out, Bob, they are going after this as if it really, really matters, because to them, Bob, it does. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Andrew Joppa, again, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. I genuinely appreciate your very well-informed co- and interesting commentary here on the show, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's, uh, thank you uh, again. We're really appreciative that you're listening. And if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll let your friends know and tell them about it as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. 
Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy study at the Cato Institute. We'll look forward to talking to Michael. Seat Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. Always appreciate his commentary on what's happening locally on the political scene and uh, social scene as well. I hope you uh, make it a great... Oh, by the way, I would love love to hear from you. Your comments on the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.